Welcome to the Making Space Podcast. I'm Jen Pilipow, and this show is dedicated to bringing awareness to our habits and their root causes, because I believe that with awareness comes choice, and with choice comes change. As a hypnotherapist, I know how much our subconscious minds influence us, but as a human on my own healing journey, I also know it's not always just about mindset. I understand how important integration and embodiment is and how those terms can feel confusing and hard to implement. And these are the themes that I like to unpack in this show. This is season three, and I'm joined with my dear friend and colleague, Jennifer Kelly. Jennifer is a professional development trainer and positive psychology coach, and together we're exploring the effects of people-pleasing from our own perspectives, experiences, and circumstances. And we hope our conversation sparks some insight in you. Thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Inner Child Reparenting Workshop, now available on my website at an introductory price. If you have trouble with boundaries and saying no, if you have a harsh inner critic and unreasonably high expectations of yourself and maybe others, if you're highly anxious and you worry about what people think of you, if you ignore or distract from intense emotion or your own needs, then these are all signs that your inner child could use some reparenting and you are the best person to do it. This workshop will help you connect in, actively reparent, and work towards honoring and accepting this part of you. And by connecting into your emotions, you're embodying while releasing old belief systems, making space for fresh new perspectives, choices, and change. This workshop is available now, and you can get the link in the show notes or visit my website at jenpillipow.com. Also, if you are interested in a people-pleasing workshop delivered by Jennifer and I, we would love to know. Head over to the show notes, submit your interest in the link provided so that we know that we need to get on making that. And finally, if you're liking this show, please subscribe because this helps raise visibility so that other people can find it too. And that would mean so much to us. Let's go to the show, and I just want to acknowledge that this first episode, we did have some technical difficulties, so the audio is not as good as it is in the following episodes, but please bear with us because there is some really good content here that we didn't think we could repeat and we didn't want to lose. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as we did, and thank you again for being here. So last night I kind of did a free flowing journaling. Okay. Yeah. Kind of telling a story. That's a good idea. What came out of it? Oh, it, it's amazing. I, I was able to trace the origins back to like a particular incident. Wow. I know. So there's a little bit of storytelling there. Um, but I didn't, I found like I didn't really get to the lessons because I don't think I've learned them okay well I mean it takes a long time to learn these lessons I feel and I feel that we have to experience it in different ways yeah to to really integrate it that's a good point that's a good point yeah and that's kind of an interesting exercise too right to just sit down and and was it your intention to find out like what the origin story was or is that just kind of what came out of the writing you know, I have to say, I found this, we're digging through the house, as you know. Yeah. And I found this box full of, like, all these momentums from junior high oh, wow. and high school. And I found 
to create a writing project in grade 11, we were asked to write our biography up to that point in our lives. I was only 16. So I wrote this bio and in the biography is the story of this incident and this person. And last night when I was doing the free flowing, I was like, I didn't realize that this person was actually the kickstart of this, of this oh, habit for me. Interesting. Yeah. And what's more startling, and I have that in the, guess the journaling is that so negative and frightening happened as a result of people pleasing it didn't knock me out of my habit and that's what's really telling to me it's so fascinating how you started to write and and the timing of you finding that biography right and then um just kind of free writing and then you coming to your origin story i'd love to hear what that story is because to me, in my mind, what I'm putting together is when I do hypnotherapy sessions with people, and in the past when I was doing like the RTT, and we would do um, like memories, the memories are going typically back to this, the birthplace of whatever issue we're exploring, right? And then it's funny that you said, well, I haven't learned the lessons yet, because one of the things that I, I would say to people is, well, let's take the lessons and leave the limitations, and so it's almost like if we're if we haven't fully learned what we need to learn then we're still living within those limitations Mm. so I would just be super curious to hear what was revealed for you yeah I think that would be a great place to start if you're comfortable so when I think about people pleasing I don't just think about how to define it. I think about how I'm actually a victim of it. And this victimization piece came up for me really strong because I've suffered a lot of emotional and even physical injuries because of my tendency to people please. So in a way, it's like I'm a victim of my own people pleasing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which is so interesting, right? Because that's that is the problem with people pleasing. Yes, and I never really thought of it that way before being a victim and in some ways it sounds like I feel really helpless and maybe I do at this point because I haven't quite learned or worked through everything that I'd like to work through with it, so I still very much feel like I'm a victim. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really important. And actually, I just have this feeling to go even back before, if you don't mind, because I I feel like there's a lot of people that um, just have a surface idea of people pleasing, just being like, oh, you sometimes say yes when you mean no, but it's so much deeper and there's so many layers to it. You kind of had like your eyes opened at one point recently where you're like, oh my God, this is a thing for me. So I'm curious if you can even articulate to like, what was it like for you before that awareness? Like, what did you think of people pleasing? What was, did it ever cross your mind? Did did you notice other people doing it? Did you notice yourself doing it? What was your awareness level of it before that awakening? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think I would identify it as more of a feeling than I guess a label or a name. I felt that I like to be liked. I felt that I would feel guilty if 
I was assertive or if I told someone that I didn't like what they were doing, I, I would notice that I would feel really guilty because I felt such compassion and empathy. And then that would lead me to second guess those decisions. And then I'd kind of walk it back. And then I would again feel like I really like being liked combined with the fact that I didn't want to hurt anyone. It was just this feeling that became really habitual in, in a lot of my interactions and relations. So I didn't identify or name it as people pleasing until I heard you talking through your experiences and you gave it that label and I instinctively knew this is exactly what I do consistently and regularly. So it's so interesting to me because I think I went through a period of time like that too where it's like I wouldn't have called it people pleasing because the focus is so much more on survival, on the need to be liked, on the need to avoid conflict, um, on the need to avoid like guilty feelings and not knowing what to do with that and not knowing that it's okay and not knowing that it's okay to have a boundary and and that process is so damaging because it creates so much uh, mistrust within the self because then you it, it starts to come to a point where it's like you don't even really know what you want or need or feel anymore because you're so used to tuning into somebody else first. Yeah. So I'll give you an example that I've been noticing in myself as I've been working through this for so many years. When I make plans with people now, and usually it's through text, I notice in my mind how my first instinct is to try to guess what's best for them instead of just do what works for me. And it sounds like such a simple thing, but now what I do is I check in with myself and see like what would be best for me instead of letting other people um, choose or control for me, pick for me. I check in to discover what my own preference would be. And even knowing what that preference is, is taking some time to really listen and understand because it's not a well-worked muscle. <laughs> yeah, and I can really relate to that because I do that as well. And because I'm always thinking about what's best for the other person, yes. and less about what works for my schedule or my own needs, it sends me almost into like a panic reaction post scheduling an event or a get together because really it's not at a time that works for me. Yeah. It's not at an opportunity that's convenient, but I've allowed myself to be worked into this because <laughs> it works well for the other person. And then yeah. later I go into this almost panic and then I start avoiding. Mm -hmm. So then I'll start, you know, I'll start canceling. I'll start avoiding and then I get into this trap because if you reschedule, the person expects that, all right, eventually <laughs> she's going to get together with me next week. But then next week comes and it's the same. Now it's almost like it's something I'm dreading. Yeah. Because, and I think that's because the roots of it weren't authentic. Yeah. The roots were based on somebody else's needs. Yes. And because I don't know. I feel like I'm still just learning to kind of work through that and think of what I would like first. My instinct is to avoid and cancel, avoid and cancel. And I will do this for months with some people. <laughs> I'm currently doing this now with a childhood friend who I just keep avoiding. Oh, wow. Hey. You know, because 
like they they are very specific with when they want to get together and it never works for me and instead of just saying that or trying to ask for a compromise I just keep saying yes and then as the days arrive I'm just canceling it's, and I've been doing it for like eight weeks yeah it's funny because it's like you're saying yes knowing you're now going you're setting yourself up that you're going to have to have an uncomfortable conversation saying you have to reschedule but it's not present that's tomorrow's problem <laughs> so it's like okay exactly yeah and I think that there's something um to be said about having this kind of really empathetic personality where you're reading somebody's facial cues and body language and when they're not happy with what you're doing or saying or it doesn't match with what they want we I for me I feel that at a really deep visceral level and I instantly want to correct it and make them happy and that also is very deep rooted in childhood and learning how you know, to get people to like you, to be accepted, to feel like you belong or at least fit in. It's it's hard to shake. And, and that's what this unraveling is all about. And that's why I think it's so fun to have these conversations and to share different kind of like stories and, and realizations and lessons. Because the more that we talk about it, the more that we, and not that we need a label, but when we can identify that as people pleasing and not just I'm trying to survive by being liked and not feeling guilt, then we can start to grow and we can start to heal those parts of us. Exactly. No, I agree. I think naming is really important. And I think since I have named this, my awareness Mm. has really Mm. improved and now Mm. I'm seeing connections that I didn't see before and I'm looking at relationships and interactions with a different lens that I didn't have before I named it. Yeah, and that awareness and making those new connections is really important. And for me, that's part of the fun of it. Like I like being able to get more of the puzzle pieces to put together and to understand myself more. Like that feels really interesting to me. Yeah, exactly. And and for me as well, because you know, I'm looking back to, I guess, the past, you know, to when this started, like yeah. I said, my, my origin story, yeah. um, um, something you just said really reminded me of that situation when you said, you know, you just feel so gutted that the other person is hurt or damaged and you want to fix it. There's this need to, to fix that. And, and that's what I did in my particular origin story you know it led to disastrous results and a habit that I'm still very much repeating and fixed in I'm really curious about how because it didn't wait was it just um bad results for you or for was it anyone else involved experiencing negative results I think for me just for you okay yeah yeah I mean like without sounding too ambiguous I mean I mean, I was like 14 years old. And, and again, even then I was really empathetic and, and really compassionate and really nice. I was, you know, and I had these, it's funny, you get these labels in school. Like when I was in kindergarten and grade one, I was labeled as extremely shy, just so shy that always kept coming back. Very shy, very timid. And then when I reached junior high, I started to come out of that. And then I was kind of labeled, well, she's very soft and her feelings are hurt easily. And I can, I identify a little bit more with that because that's what I felt a lot towards people. And there was this, 
young man in my class who was interested in me romantically, but I was really bothered by it. Like I'd catch him staring at me in class and it would make me uncomfortable because, well, I was shy and I didn't really understand it. I was 14. It was kind of my first encounter with, I guess, someone who had a crush on me. Um, but then it actually got really scary because I used to go bike riding around my neighborhood and he lived in a similar neighborhood. And then one day on my bike ride, I noticed that he was following me. He was actually following me on my bike ride. And I really panicked because every turn I took, every trail that I went down, he would continue to follow me, but not acknowledge, not like wave or say, hey, Jennifer, shout out. He would just follow me. And I was so shaken. Like, as I talk about it, I remember the deep fear and the panic and the fear of, um, of a young person's fear, mm-hmm. you know, like the irrationality of being mm-hmm. so young. Mm-hmm. And there was this terrible moment where I was trying to, to turn on this path and my handlebars got caught in this iron fence. So I got caught. Oh no! And of course, I was trying to get out of this so panically because he was still behind me and I couldn't get my handlebar out of the fence. And of course he eventually arrived because he had been following me. He was right behind me and he came up behind me so quickly and I was really visibly frightened. And he just said, you know, Oh, I just, I was trying to make sure it was you. And I felt like it was wrong and I felt really uncomfortable and I felt violated. Mm -hmm. But then almost immediately I felt like, well, maybe I did imagine it. And he seemed so nice. And he kept saying, like, I just really wanted to check out that, that it was you. And, and then he's like, oh, I love these trails. And, like, part of me, I was like, well, maybe it was okay. And he seems so nice now. I should just put that aside. And I noticed that the more I relaxed, the more friendlier he got. So it's almost like I felt, oh, okay, being nice is, is working. Right. Being, being really nice and pushing down my uncomfortable feelings, Yeah, it's working because he's becoming more friendly. He's engaging with me. I'm starting to relax. But really, this is a result of pushing down my authentic feelings, which was I was uncomfortable and mm-hmm. I felt violated. Yeah, And this, this set up for this uh, really, I guess, toxic friendship between the two of us where I was half uncomfortable but then I would talk myself out of it because I didn't want him to dislike me and I didn't want to feel bad because he'd be so crestfallen whenever I would bring up when I was uncomfortable Hmm. yeah there's so much self-abandon that has to go on with people pleasing when we're putting other people first and just pushing our own emotions aside questioning if what we're really feeling is true and especially when somebody is showing you a different face, it's it's harder to trust your gut, something you can't see, than it is to trust what you see with your eyes. Exactly. And, and it's really what I've said to you before, which is now I don't trust myself at all. Yeah. You know, I mean, I have been through when I was really thinking about my history with people pleasing I've been through, well, this individual who without, you know, going into the deeper details, um, 
it ended up that he he did end up assaulting me you know disastrous blowback from from not confronting my my real feelings and again I feel like I'm blaming myself and maybe that's rooted in other other things um in our culture but I've been through that I've had uh, girlfriends who have been bullies, friends who have who have bullied me. I've had colleagues who have stolen my work because I've been too obliging. I've had coworkers try to, you know, boss me around, and and all of it, I feel like I allowed to happen because I want it to people please, yeah. and that comes back to me feeling like. I'm a victim of it. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what trauma wants us to believe, right? It wants us to believe that we are the victim and that there's only two ways to see it, that it's it's all or nothing and it's black and white and there's only two two points of reference and it also gives us this tunnel vision where we can only see it that one way. When we are able to start like labeling it and looking at it differently and giving ourselves other choices, that really expands the view to more panoramic and it gives us more choices yeah and I feel like you know when you're thinking of your own needs first and when you are your own priority I think it really opens up your senses and your intuition and you'll feel in your gut when something's wrong more than you will if you're really allowing those thoughts of oh I need to be nice I shouldn't say this when they take over, I feel like they block our natural senses yeah. and awareness and instincts yeah. that are yeah. actually alerting us to a yeah. dangerous situation or an unhealthy person or a toxic yeah. interaction. Yeah. And I think that's what really worries me, that my instinct is to people please. And then that overrides mm-hmm. my ability to sense and detect when something's not healthy for me. and. Yeah. You know, to realize that I went from such a disturbing incident when I was 14 with this individual I described to then having several friends who I mentioned that, you know, I've had bullies. I've, I feel like I've ran the gauntlet of unhealthy. And all of them I let into my life very willingly and very trustingly. And also I felt very empathetic towards them. I noticed mm-hmm. the theme they had was that, mm-hmm. you know, not a lot of other people like them mm. or they had trouble with other people, but I was so nice. That's just who I was. Yeah. I was nice and kind. Oh, well, the other thing I was I was curious about is the secondary gains. We've talked a little bit about it where it you know, a need to be liked because that's safer. A need to fit in, because again that's safer. So it's like in the moment, abandoning what feels unsafe for what feels safe. So what would you think are some of the things that you get from people pleasing? Like what are the benefits of it? Even though that's a weird thing to say. No, it, it's not. Uh, I, I sort of stumbled on that myself. It's, it's, you know, there's so many, I guess, unhealthy consequences or results, but yet there's also positive reinforcements and and that's what I think makes it so difficult to I guess weave out of it or to I don't want to say stop the behavior but just kind of modify the behavior because you do get positive reinforcements so for me it was the reinforcement of I'm so nice yeah right right right? I'm the one who's going to treat the underdog well yeah I'm the one who's going to care about the geeky person in the back of the class. I'm the one who's going to have sympathy. 
for the bully. I'm the one who's going to wonder, maybe there's more to this person. Mm. I'm the one who's going to see the good. Yeah, and you get yeah. rewarded for that. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, then I'm known as being really nice and friendly. I draw comparisons to my father who I was really close with. And it, it's a part of my identity. Yeah. Being nice and being the one who cares. Yeah, and that's a really important part of it too is that our subconscious is always trying to um, get validation for these beliefs that we have about ourselves. And so if we have this belief that we're so nice, then everything that we consciously see, anything that comes into our peripheral, we're going to distort it. We're going to manipulate it in any way to make it match that underlying belief because mm-hmm. that's what makes sense to our worlds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I mean, you said earlier that a lot of these things are rooted in childhood and messages mm-hmm. we received. Mm-hmm. And I know that, you know, for me, my mother is a very traditional person who really values like, you know, being nice and being civil and having respectful manners. And, and yeah. this was instilled really, really early with my brother and I, and then couple it with the fact that my personality, I think, is naturally friendly, and I, I like people, and I, I see different qualities in them. You know, it, it almost sounds like it's something that should be positive, and I think there is a lot about this side of me that is positive, but to me, it's leading to yeah. <laughs> uh, an unhealthy consequence over and over. And that's why I would like to, I don't want to use the word fix it or change it, mm-hmm. but I would like to modify it. Yeah. And that's how I look at it within myself too. Like I notice this very strong trait and tendency towards um, making other people happy with me. And and there's a lot of manipulation in that, right? It's like I'm trying to control what they think of me. If I can mold to the way they are, if I can give them what they want or need, then they'll like me and that's manipulative. I feel like it takes a lot of courage to admit to, that, to say that. Hmm, yeah, I've, I've been coming to terms with it. like, And I'll even notice, like, especially after moving and being in a place where I don't know anybody, how I am with meeting new people, like walking into a room with people that I don't know, that my first instinct is to, to sit back and observe what are they like, so how can I be like that? Mm-hmm. Instead of just coming straight out with who I am and, and how I am. And it's so hard for me to do things differently. Like... To um, be now in a community where people get together and have drinks and I'm not really drinking anymore. And how weird that is for me to be like, no thanks, no thanks. Yeah. And to feel like I now I don't fit in. Yeah, it's it's an uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> and, yeah. and we're used to making ourselves fit, right? We're used yeah. to making ourselves fit. <laughs> so it's it's like manipulation of myself to manipulate myself to be into that situation to fit, like to squish myself into whatever mold I need to be mm-hmm. and then also manipulating what they're thinking of me when in actuality if I like now people know that I don't really drink and they stopped offering and probably nobody cares <laughs> but in yeah. my mind it's a big deal I know I know and and it's kind of like how it makes things worse for ourselves and for yeah. the action in the relationship yeah 
have yeah. to be just not up front or, you know, in, in, in your case or in my case, like be rescheduling all the time, you know, mm. it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't, it almost makes things worse and reinforces the, the habit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a deadly circle. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, I feel like for me, how I've decided to, you know, manage this because I feel mm-hmm. like it's something I have to manage or, you know, modify <laughs> again. I'm yeah. trying to stay, steer myself away from these hard line. I have to fix. I have to stop because yeah. I'm, I, I'm realistic enough to know that when you really have used forceful terms, it'll probably work against me. But I do really look at this as something I have to manage. And the only solution I've come up with is to is to avoid like a couple right. again here I okay. go in this cycle no this... just la- last month I had decided after yet again what I feel is being fooled by someone you know and again me being very nice and obliging only to discover that their intentions weren't really good or authentic after another incident of that I decided you know what I'm not going to make any more new friendships I'm not going to form any new relationships or bonds with people because I feel so trapped I guess by the people pleasing but that's my only way oh and yeah Jennifer that makes such perfect sense because it's it's and I do this all the time too it's different ways in my life where I just swing the pendulum all the way to the other side because I haven't figured out how to be in the middle yet and sometimes that's just a natural part of the process you know when you said I want to modify it that's ex- and not fix it. I feel exactly the same way because it's like I it's not that I want this got to get rid of it. I, I think it's an important awareness um you know to consider other people's feelings to a certain extent, right? And there can be ways of um saying a no <laughs> that is just a bit kinder. Mm-hmm. But it's it to me what you said modify in, in my mind what I think of as a dial like I just want to operate it like a dial like when do I when do I just need to people please because I'm just in a moment and it feels safer and it's just easier and it's just but I'm doing it consciously and I'm aware of it and I'm aware of the consequences and um, to me that's a really big difference in being driven by it and feeling like I have to be that like being victimized by it right like it's happening to me and I have no control and I'm helpless yeah, that's amazing. That That's amazing insight. I feel like you've done a lot of growing in this area. Um, you know, I, I visualize it like a hill. Mm. <laughs> We're both at the bottom mm. of the same hill, but mm-hmm. I feel like you've climbed up and you can see a new horizon where else I'm still at the bottom wondering, can I even climb it, let alone see a new horizon? <laughs> well, it's a fairly new awareness for you, right? And it's, a, and it's a huge leap, that awareness that you had from going from this is just, you know, I'm nice and this is, and I'm empathetic, you know, feeling helpless in those terms to now making the leap to, oh, no, what I'm doing is people-pleasing and... I have the ability to modify it if I choose. Mm -hmm. And that's a big difference. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like what I'd like to do in the space between this and our next podcast is to actually think, like, what would modification look like? Oh, that's great. Yeah. even to give myself the opportunity to test 
some different behaviors. Because I think an, another thing that can trap us is when, again, we force ourselves. Well, I'm just going to say no now. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Just say no, or, or like, but I just, I'm just not going to form any friendships. Yeah. But yeah. Instead, you know, maybe I would like to have the opportunity to just feel out modification. What would yeah. it look like? Yeah. What would it involve? And how Love would it that. match my strengths? Oh, and what would I yeah. get from it? And that's something I haven't done before. That's really cool. Yeah, that's a really good idea. And just putting some vocabulary to it. Like what would that what would modification mean for you? What would that tactically look like? Like what would exactly. feel comfortable and what would feel uncomfortable and kind of learning like that line in you. And then that's so great because it also helps you begin to trust yourself again because you start to know what you feel and listening to what that feels like and trusting it. Exactly. And I think it also connects back to a word you said, which is safety, but it would be the difference would be I'm creating the safety yeah. for myself Yes. You know, versus yeah. a false sense of safety. Yes. Like, oh, just give in here. Yeah. False <laughs> sense of safety. That's yeah. great. That's yeah. exactly this it. Would, yeah. This would be me creating my own safety. Uh, so yeah, that's something I really want to experiment with. And I think when we take that kind of open, flexible approach, like let's just try some different modifications, yeah. you don't feel as pressured then, because then, then there's pressure to change. It's yeah. like, okay, I've got to do this better, or I'm going to keep, you know, getting hoodwinked by people. I've got, <laughs> I've got to fix this, and that panic kind of, but if we give ourselves the open space to, let's just try try a few things like for example that childhood friend I mentioned that I've been <laughs> rescheduling for eight yeah. weeks like that's a great place for me to start and, and see what am I instead of just okay you know I'm just gonna immediately say yes and I'm gonna promise myself not to reschedule kind of the forceful maybe I'll just explore what what could modification look like with this situation yeah and do you want to meet with this person like maybe there's something else in there to explore. Maybe the yeah, friendship it, needs it, to shift. And yeah. when do you want to meet? Like what actually would work for your schedule, even if it's like way out in the future? Yeah, exactly. And and thinking about how I can, I guess, elevate myself to that type of thinking. Because I don't think, as we both know, it's going to happen overnight. And I don't think it's going to happen through forcing myself. I think it's exactly what I'm saying. I need to feel feel it out, try a few different things. Yeah. Maybe it's taking a night to kind of pause and visualize what I picture yeah. our outing to look like. Yes. You know, just, That's yeah, really just good. Kind of, yeah. yeah, and then eventually I'm kind of building my own safety plan. Yeah, this. yeah, that's awesome. And you know what's interesting is when you said that the new tactic had been to avoid, that's you trying to take control back, right? And so this modification and learning what the modification is, is a way to bring the pendulum into the middle and take that control back in a healthy mm -hmm. way. Yeah, that's brilliant. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, that's brilliant. But your the avoid part resonates so much with me because I feel like now that I'm thinking about it, I think that's what I did for a while. Whereas just like, you know what? I'm just not going to make new friendships because it's a whole lot easier <laughs> if I'm just managing myself. <laughs> and you and I have talked about before how I had created this pattern. Like when, when I started to realize I was allowed to have boundaries and what did that look like and how could I do it? And with that awareness, I was able to look back in my life and see all the friendships that I had had that where I had just cut people out, you know, because it stopped working for me. And 
really what had stopped working is that they were um, encroaching on a boundary that was unspoken that I didn't even know that I had. And instead of having an uncomfortable conversation and dealing with the conflict of having to say, this doesn't work for me and I need a boundary here, I would just cut people out and move on with my life. And yeah. and that is the avoidance, right, that you were just describing. Um, and it's, it's yeah. a way to take that control back and to feel better. But again, that pendulum is coming all the way to the other side, and that's also unhealthy. And so trying to find a way to come back into the middle and have this balance and mm-hmm. find ways to modify where I can show up with people as much of myself as I can be and and be okay with the fact that that will either be accepted or not because I am not for everybody. <laughs> That's fine. And just having the comfort in knowing that this is a healthy place to have control and, and a healthy place to be and to practice, 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 and practice. Yeah, which really comes back to accepting that we may not always be liked. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and we may not be everybody's favorite. Yep. And we might do disastrous things that will lose people or situations in our life. And that's part of making mistakes. And, and but, these are the things we don't like. <laughs> we I know. But there's also an interesting thing that I keep coming back to that I hear people that teach these things and what they say. And that, you know, people pleasing is, is not, um, it's not nice. It's it's mean in a way because you're you're not allowing that person to see your true self and you're lying to them. You're telling them it's okay when it's not, and yeah. and they can't trust your yeses anymore. They don't know if you're really meaning yes or you're just saying yes, and and that's not great either. And so there's this difference between being kind and being nice, where sometimes saying no is kind. Yeah, and and that's so true. Uh, that that really speaks to me because the other thing is that, you know, because we're also, I guess, how can I explain it? It it, it kind of plays on what you're saying. Not only is it not fair to people because we're we're lying, we're lying to ourselves, and then by consequence to them, we're not being authentic. I also think that it can end up hurting people. Like yeah. I know I've hurt people when Me too. I've come out of my people pleasing fog to yeah. realize, ugh, I don't really want to be involved or friends with this person. <laughs> and, you know, I've done all this hard work making the person, I guess, feel good, which is so manipulative, which is yeah. goes back to what you said. And then I'm like, yeah, I don't really like this relationship. And because I've allowed the person to treat me in a certain way, like, for example, my recent example, um, where someone is, this colleague was really bossy towards me and controlling my time and my schedule. Like, I I gave a lot of room for that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think she really valued my friendship. And Mm -hmm. now I'm just like well, I don't want anything, this wasn't the friendship for me. And then we end up hurting people too, Mm -hmm. you know, when we, when we realize, oh, I was only people pleasing. Yep. Yeah. When I come, when I lift off that mask and I truly see the person in the situation, it turns out they're not for me. And then I'm trying to back away or, or to get, you know. And it's confusing for people. Yeah, it's confusing and it's hurtful. And that's such an oxymoron because we started yeah. this talking about yes. compassion and empathy. And how nice it is and how nice we are. And how <laughs> empathetic. I know. I know. And so I think 
till the day I die, my biggest example will probably be saying yes to wanting to get married when I wanted to say no. And that was being, you know, 21 or whatever. And at the time, my husband-to-be getting down on one knee in the middle of downtown Vancouver and saying, will you marry me? And this was not a surprise. We had talked about it. We had gone ring, like I had gone so far that we had gone ring shopping and I was just like, yep, yep, didn't want it. But it's like that moment when he was down on his knee and everybody's looking at us, people that we don't know. (laughs) And he's like, "Um, are you going to answer me? And I was like, yes. And just not being able to understand that the wanting to say no, I didn't have a reason. He was very nice. We were in love. This is what people do. Like, what was my reason for saying no? Other than I just had a feeling that I didn't want to. And I didn't trust that feeling enough to realize. And then, of course, what happened seven, eight months down the road where I was just like, I don't want to be married anymore. Like, I, re- I, I couldn't do it anymore. And the way that I chose to end it was really abrupt. And it was really confusing for everybody involved, family, for him. Like, mm-hmm. up until that point, he thought everything was great because I had been telling him it was. And then to all of a sudden pull the rug out from everybody and just be like, you know what, I don't want this and I'm not going to do it. And, you know, there's a part of that, the way that I did it was very unkind. I, I, it's sort of like I just threw a bomb and I didn't know what to do, but I had to get out of there. And so I just did it in the way that it happened and, you know, lots of lessons learned. But Also, to stay in it and to continue lying would not have been kind. So I didn't leave correctly. (laughs) You know, obviously, if I could go back, we would do things a little differently. But it wouldn't have been good to stay either. It was, you know, ideally going way back, I wouldn't have even moved in with him. But I I didn't know that it was okay to say no. I didn't have the words. I didn't have the modeling in my life. I didn't trust myself. And, and it created, oh, and here's the other thing that I was thinking about too, as you were telling your story is that, yeah, it wouldn't have been nice to stay married to him, but also with me leaving that freed him up to have the relationship that he was meant to have. I did him a favor in the end because why would he have wanted to stay married to somebody that didn't want to be married to him? Right. Right. But you know, it strikes me as like, yeah, what happened to to him and the hurt that must have caused you know you violated his trust but you also violated yourself Mm -hmm. right that's how I look at it it's like we violate ourselves Mm -hmm. treat ourselves poorly and with distrust Mm -hmm. when we don't behave authentically Mm -hmm. when we say yes when we want to say no Mm -hmm. we're treating ourselves poorly Mm -hmm. and then maybe it sends a message to our subconscious that well then you don't deserve and you don't matter yeah and then we then we start this snowball Mm -hmm. of of unhealthy and unacceptable mean behavior 
yeah. um, towards towards others when it's all really just started at the self, not giving ourselves the permission and the right mm-hmm. <laughs> to just to say no and to listen to our feelings, mm-hmm. regardless of whether those feelings mirrored someone else's or yes. were in tune with society, like yes. accepting that we still had the right to feel as we did. Yeah. That's truly honoring. Only can we honor others, I think, when we're able to honor ourselves. Mm-hmm. And when we don't do that, the person that we violate first and hurt first is is ourselves. Yeah. And that creates a lot of of inner conflicts, right? A lot of guilt, a lot of confusion. Um and yeah. and then yeah. and then what we have to do is we have to try to find external ways to feel better. And that can be through overworking, it can be through overeating, it can be through over drinking, over giving, like trying okay. to fix that inner hurt when the really the only way to do that is just to go in and start trusting and start listening exactly and I think to give ourselves the permission we are worthy of saying no we are worthy of checking in with ourselves what feels right to us like we have the right (laughs) to to think for ourselves and I think again when we get to that healthy state of mind it opens up all our senses and our receptors and you know you had in this this case of the story that you just told you had a feeling you had a gut reaction it was telling you something but we pushed it away but when we allow it to come we can recognize those signals and probe them and work through them without having to throw bombs yeah exactly (laughs) yeah and oftentimes you know we'll we'll get these big feelings that will we know it will require a hard conversation or a conflict or something and it's just too scary but if we slow that down just like you just said if we just sit with the feeling and explore it and ask some questions and take it slow you don't have to do a big decision or make a big conflict that day because of it but just start but at least just start listening and asking questions and you know tell me more like what else do I need to know about this and what other feelings are there and um, having that level of self-awareness and self-exploration and just see where it takes you and see what you learn about yourself. Exactly. And, and I think that ties into the, the modification. Yeah, exactly. Or, or yes. you know, suggestion that I'd like to take myself through. It's, it's, yeah. it's really aligned with that. Like just feeling it out and, and seeing what small steps we could take to listening to our inner voice and responding to our mm-hmm. own needs um, instead of having that forceful reaction. And that's something that I definitely want to try yeah. um, as, as a start. Mm-hmm. And I think we both, you know, what strikes me is that we both had hurtful, regretful incidents in our mm-hmm. life because mm-hmm. of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what emphasizes what really hits me even more, though, is just how much others have been hurt, but we've hurt ourselves mm-hmm. um, first. Mm-hmm. And, and that mm-hmm. really stands out to me. That really resonates mm-hmm. with me. And so when you think back to what your journal, your free writing was, and you were like, you know, I think there's still lessons to learn. What do you think the, the lesson that came out of that journal entry, though? You know, one of the things that really struck me is that, and I, I have it here, is that I, I called it people-pleasing has a halo effect, oh. <laughs> right? And that's when I realized that I think I like to be liked. Yeah. So, and, yeah. and this ties back to an original 
piece of our conversation where we discussed, well, you asked me the secondary benefits, like what mm-hmm. do I get from people pleasing? Mm-hmm. And that's what makes it so confusing because it has mm-hmm. all these unhealthy, sometimes disastrous consequences, but it also has positive reinforcements, as I said earlier. Yeah. It ha- there's a halo effect, right? You glow from being liked by others. Like when I said in my story, when I, when I kept just decided to be nice to the individual who had been following me, I saw his reaction change. He, he lit up, he became more friendly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I feel good because of this. He really likes me. He, and you feel good. There's a halo effect. And it's hard to put down your halo of being really liked. You know, you're the one who molds herself to fit in all situations. Yeah. Of course people like you. Yes. Yeah, right? and 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 the, and again, I think it comes back to the element of control. Like we're always trying to look for the control in a situation because that's what feels safe. If you're in control, then you're safe. And so if you're if you're noticing that your behavior is changing the other person, that's control and that's you noticing that control. Exactly. And so I think you know, you, that was my first kind of big insight moment from, mm. from the journaling. And then I think from that, it's the safety piece, like planning my own safety plan instead of the inauthentic safety mm-hmm. that we've been seeking, which is, you know, avoid or push the feelings down. And I'd like to see what insights come out of that, you know, mm-hmm. the modification and slowly trying to modify the behavior. I'd like to see what comes, what comes out of it. Yeah. But I definitely realized, you know, I think it started with this incident in my life very young, but that was my first real demonstration of people pleasing. And I had such a disastrous result from it that really changed the course of my whole life in terms of how I regard intimacy and trust. I still can't walk down a street and have someone behind me. So obviously it's had deep lasting uh, negative effects. But yet I then (laughs) people pleased with a lot of people afterwards. So that is startling to me. It's Mm. like that didn't wake me up. So it's deep rooted and work has to be done. So that's another thing that really stood out to me. It's like, I didn't gain or learn from that experience. Well, I think, okay, I think it goes back far because I mean, you talk about the way that your mother is. And so would you say your mother people pleases? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, this is, you're picking this up as like in, as an infant, in her belly, like you're, you're absorbing all of it and you're, she's modeling for you, right? And so you're just seeing, okay, this is how to be in the world. And so that's a big part of it. And then you have an incident like that. And it's, so maybe it's almost just like, you know, we're always seeking that control. And Mm -hmm. so that in a weird, and this is how the subconscious mind is sometimes very nonsensical, but in like a weird way, it's almost like you're doubling down on that in order to get more control because something scary happened. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, you're right. I I never thought of that. Yeah, our beliefs are so powerful, you know? Like we really we really do you know, you hear these people talk about how oh, you create your own reality and it sounds so like <laughs> sounds so weird, but it is yeah. really true because we're walking around with these beliefs that we created as small children 
and we look for verification of those beliefs in our world and that is what we see and that is what our reality is. It's just like if you are going to go buy a yellow car next week, you're going to see so many yellow cars and you've never seen yellow cars before. Because now that's in your that's your reality, that's what you're looking for. And so when we have these beliefs that we want verified even when they're not healthy, we're looking for examples to let us know that we're right. We don't even want to be right. Yeah, so true. Yeah, it, that's true. Yeah, and, and also the benefits piece, right? Yeah, There's avoiding conflicts. Effect. Yeah, and this, you know, we get this false sense of safety. Yeah, false um, sense of control. The, right, I get the halo effect. I'm so, I'm so nice, right? Yeah. I'm the one who cares about the people that no one cares about. Yes, right? yeah, yeah, that's a big one yeah. too. And um, reinforcing, you know, the empathy, empathetic nature, avoiding having to feel discomfort for somebody not agreeing with you or not liking you or... Yeah, it's it's just like how you open this, which is the layers of it. You yeah. Know, there's so much more to this than, oh, we say yes when we want to say no. Like, yeah, it's, it's not just saying you like tea and you'd really rather a coffee. Like, yeah. it's, a, <laughs> it's a bit deeper. And, um, yeah, it leaves a trail. It leaves yeah. a trail of wreckage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's actually that you don't even drink coffee and you don't want to drink. <laughs> oh, I know. Well, I think that's what I'm going to be doing, like, this week. It's just kind of like we hmm. said. Like, testing out some modifications and seeing how it feels and... and like you said, kind of questioning what's coming up for me mm-hmm. um, instead of jumping in or jumping away. Giving yourself like a middle option. Yeah, the, the pendulum. Like that's what I'm going to try nice. this week. Um, so that that came out definitely from kind of working on this last night and then our excellent conversation today and of course yeah. the insights we got from our conversation and the moments. Mm-hmm. That was fun. 